0: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One-one pitch, fastball pulled, and fast, Alvarez the corner. Get up, Bob, get up. get out of here, Got a fantasy question? Email Baseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy
1: becomes real.
0: Now, here's Adam, Scott, Keith, and Chris. All right, we
2: got a good one for you today. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today, everybody. Adam Azer, Scott White, Heath Cummings, and the triumphant return of a very sick Chris Towers. How you feeling there, buddy? How you feeling, Chris?
1: Better, thank you.
2: Thank you. I'm feeling fine. Okay, good. We were worried about you. Everybody was very worried. Now, listen, I deprived our listeners and Kreef and Scott of the Players We Love show that we usually do on Valentine's Day. This is basically going to be that show. We're talking about our favorite breakouts today. We're going to get the Breakout-O-Meter out. I'll say a bunch of players' names, and you'll tell me how likely they are to break out. It is a decent round of Team Name Tuesday, but a great round of emails at at cbsi.com. Now, we heard Chris is feeling like okay. Heath, how are you feeling today?
0: Fantastic. This is the best show of the year. I'm just happy to be here.
2: (laughs) Scott, how about you?
3: Are, are we sure the players we love are are a breakout for us? I mean, what if it was somebody we said during the sleeper show? It, it, Adam, this is not necessarily
2: the player you love. It's it, these are players you love. We, I will, you know what? Oh, on Friday, on let's let's commit here. All right, on Thursday, on Thursday we will all announce the one player that we are owning the 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 love of our fantasy lives in 2019. That will be on Thursday. But Scott, kick off the Tuesday show. With your favorite breakout for 2019?
3: Well, if this isn't the player (laughs) I love, it's certainly a player I have strong, strong feelings for. And that is Jesse Winker, who might be my most drafted outfielder. And that, you know, I was excited about him even before uh, the news of him coming to spring training supposedly at 100% health after having shoulder surgery last season. David Bell, the new new manager in Cincinnati, confirming that he likes him as an everyday player and in fact might bat him lead off because his on-base skills are so good. So what was maybe an at-bat concern before then is now one of Winker's strengths. But what I love most about Jesse Winker is the batted ball profile. The fact he walked more than he struck out in his first extended look in the majors last season – his line drive rate, uh, the, the 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 all the all fields hitting, um, the the entire bat ball profile. It looks like the typical Joey Votto season. Joey Votto had kind of a weird year last year, but the typical Votto season, Winker looks just like it. He's going. He profiles for a high average. He he profiles for a very high on base percentage. And the biggest gripe would be, okay, in the upper minors, he didn't hit for a lot of power. Well. Already, he's shown more power in the majors, and given the the distribution of the home runs hit last year, the fact that there wasn't very many early on, and then there was a big surge right before he succumbed to surgery, I I still think there's 20, maybe even 25 homer upside here. And with everything else he's providing, I mean, he may be an out-and-out stud in points leagues, and even in Roto, the fact that you're getting batting average help with decent power that late. Should He should still be really good.
2: Jesse Winker is going 199th overall right now, according to Fantasy Pros. So he is a top 200 player. How about that? Scott, do you have concerns about the lefty-righty splits? He batted 211, slugged 333 against lefties last season, and he is a lefty.
3: I mean, to the extent it could impact playing time with Matt Kemp there, I'm a little concerned, but... Again, I, David Bell so far has indicated that he wants Winker at the top of his lineup. He wants him there at least close to every day. I don't think it's going to impact playing time a ton. And to what extent it does will be made up for the fact by he's batting so high in the order.
2: Yeah, it's very strange right now because I'm on his player page on CBSSports.com and I'm watching a video of us talking about him. Um, so that's weird. <laughs> But that's cool. Yeah, we're on video now. In case you guys don't know, you can see it on CBSports.com. And uh, if you go to a, a player page, for example, you'll see a bunch of our videos, and you'll get to know what we look like. In this video that I'm watching, Chris is wearing a very nice cardigan. must have been cold that day, Chris.
1: I, I think that was one of the days that it got a little chilly. Yeah. yeah. It, it was It was in the 50s. I think Possibly, you're wearing a very nice yeah. shirt today, Adam.
2: Is he wearing a nice shirt? Yeah, it very does nice. look like he's wearing a nice shirt. Yeah. Uh, Heath, Chris doesn't it? need an
3: excuse to wear a
2: cardigan. No, I mean. Chris, Chris loves getting the fall wear out. Uh, Heath, who's your favorite breakout?
0: Uh, I've talked about it a lot. I think everyone knows now I'm a believer, not a trace of doubt in my mind.
2: Uh, Shane
0: Bieber last year was (laughs) phenomenal in every way except that he threw too many strikes. He has remarkable control, has shown it all through the minor leagues, showed it again last year. What he showed last year that we were a little concerned about was that he can miss bats a little bit too. Had a swinging strike rate in the double digits, which is plenty good for him with his control and his ground ball rate. And I think even as much as we've talked about Shane Bieber, we've maybe undersold what his upside is. Unlike all these other young pitchers, he doesn't have any innings concerns. Between the minor leagues and the majors last year, he threw over 190 innings. He's on a team that gives him a chance to win like like a Rick Porcello total of games, 16, 17, 18 games. And he could legitimately give you a low threes ERA. This is a guy who's available in the 12th, 13th, 14th round of some drafts. And he's a dark horse Cy Young candidate.
2: Heath, would you rather have Shane Bieber or you Darvish? Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber or Cole Hamels?
1: Oh, Bieber easily. There Bieber's were, good. There was a, a really interesting piece on CBSSports.com last week from Alex Chamberlain that kind of, it didn't like knock down the Bieber hype, right. but it went through and, and tried to understand why it might not necessarily have been bad luck that he so badly underperformed his uh, peripherals last right. year. And one of the really interesting things that he found was Bieber got a lot of strikeouts with his fastball, even though he had a well below average swing strike rate with it. On the other hand, he didn't get a lot of fast strikeouts with his slider, which was a really, really good swing strike pitch. So it's going to be interesting to see how those two things work. I think, like you said, he probably throws too many strikes. And, you know, the the starts where he walked more guys, and it's usually only two. (laughs) But he was better in those starts than when he didn't walk anyone.
2: Okay. So Shane Bieber, he's going about 150th overall, 158th. According to Fantasy Pros, that's Heath's favorite breakout. Scott's favorite breakout is Jesse Winker. All right, you know what, Chris? You deserve. You deserve. Oh, it. I get one. Yeah. Well, actually, oh. first, uh, Heath, do you know who sings that song? I'm a Believer.
0: Uh, well, multiple people have sung that song, but originally it was the Monkees.
2: Right. But we were looking for Smash Mouth. Obviously, they did it Well, best. the
0: Monkees are a lot better than Smash Mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: uh, Chris, who do you, who's breaking out this year? Either. Who is breaking out this year? Okay, let's go with. Josh Bell hasn't got a lot of talk on this podcast so far, but I think there's some really interesting stuff going on with him. Full season statistics are typically more predictive than half season statistics. However, he was a swing change guy last year and he got off to a miserable start. However, in the second half of the season, you did start to see him elevate the ball more. His strikeout to walk ratio improved. It was almost one to one in the second half. There's raw power here. You know, he hits the ball. When he hits a line drive or fly ball, it's 94 miles per hour. So there is power there. It's just about getting it into games. And he started doing that more in the second half. He's got good plate discipline. He doesn't strike out that much. I think there's a chance Josh Bell breaks into the top 12 at, at first base.
2: Yeah, he's got great plate discipline. In fact, 383 on base percentage after the All-Star break with seven homers and 50 games. Uh, so Bell, maybe maybe better if you don't have batting average. Uh, if you're in an OBP league or a points league, you take a look at Josh Bell. So that's Jesse Winker, Shane Bieber, and Josh Bell as breakouts. And we'll have more for you a little bit later. Guys, let's do some news and notes. Uh, Mike fulton will not be ready for opening day. He has elbow soreness. Mike Soroka won't be ready for opening day. He has shoulder issues. Scott, which Braves pitchers are you drafting?
3: Well, I think Tukey Toussaint's definitely in, especially the way his past two starts have went have gone and You can call him a late-round sleep. There's a lot of strikeout potential there. Maybe some inconsistencies with the control, but hopefully that's something he can work out. And Kyle Wright's been the big riser for the Braves this spring, the fifth overall pick in the draft in 2017. Uh, He he spent the offseason working with his old coaches at Vanderbilt. Also, his old Vanderbilt teammate, Walker Bueller, picked up a cutter from him and he, I think he has like 11 strikeouts in eight innings this spring, has, has really impressed the Braves with how much better he looks after what was kind of a disappointing season, I spent mostly at A last year. So Fultonevich beginning the year on the IL in all likelihood, I, I think Wright at least gets one turn at the start there and obviously is is higher in the pecking order than we may have assumed at the start of the season. So in deeper leagues, I consider him Kyle Wright a bit of a sleeper as well.
2: Is Toussaint a mixed league guy?
3: Sure, you could drop him in a mix league late. Uh, you know, there's there's a chance with all of the Braves young pitchers, you know, whenever Sor- Soroka is healthy again, he gets back in the mix. It, there's there's probably be going to be some exchanging over the course of the season just swapping out guys to help keep them all fresh and help preserve their innings until late in the year. Uh it won't be it won't be a true 1 through 5 for the Braves. They have just too many talented arms to do that. Uh, one through four is probably set with when everybody's healthy with Fulton Gosman, Turan, and Sean Newcomb, but that, that fit spot's probably going to swap out a lot.
2: All right, Clayton Kershaw threw a good bullpen session. He's making progress. Actually, does have a chance to be ready for opening day. Chris Sale threw a simulated game yesterday. His velocity was in the 91 93 mile per hour range. And, you know, Chris, it, this is certainly no time to panic on Chris Sale, but we probably need to watch the velocity because it was down significantly at the end of last year.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't just like he started throwing softer. It was coinciding with a shoulder injury that he was dealing with in the second half last season. Um, yeah, the the thing is, he was throwing like 97, 99 miles an hour for most of last season. So if he's back in the 93, 95-mile-per-hour range by the start of the season, I don't think there's any reason to be concerned. 91, 92, let's say he's sitting, averaging 92 with his fastball. That makes me a little uneasy, but he's still so good, and the the swinging strike rates have been so consistently good throughout his career. He has the, the best strikeout-to-walk ratio in Major League history. I think he might have the best K per nine. So... It's hard to be too concerned. I don't think you drop him on your draft board if he's starting 93 miles per hour by opening day.
2: Okay, that's Chris Sale. Well, we don't want to drop him on our draft board, you know, at opening day. Be a little late, Chris Towers. Craig Council confirmed Mike Moustakas will be uh, Milwaukee's starting second baseman. Um, This is
0: kind of underrated big news the way he said it. He said it's a foregone conclusion. And I just think like we've talked a lot about how we're we're not sure that Mike Mustakos will actually be able to play second base every day. But if he is, he's an enormous value on in drafts right now. He's a twelfth round pick. He's been a top eight and top nine second baseman each of the last two seasons, and that's playing most of his home games in Kansas City. Mustakas could very easily be a top five second baseman this season if he can hold on to playing second base. I I
1: just really, I worry that it's not going to be tenable. Um, you know, they can say that now and they can say that in April, but if they're Mm -hmm. five games back of the division in the middle of May and he's playing abysmal second base, even if he's hitting well, they've got enough guys who can. Right. We just, we're only,
0: we're only looking at that side of it right now. We've not acknowledged the idea
1: sure, that we no, could I just play I, there, second base i agree and and there's forty Homer upside there too, easily,
3: there are plenty of people. I mean he went in the sixth round of my Tower Wars draft. So are there are plenty of people who are not only looking at the other side, but completely caving to the other side. And I'm I'm still like there's a difference. He named him the primary second baseman. And like he said, it was a foregone conclusion. Who else were they going to go with? Did they sign him to that money to be a bench player? I don't think so. So yes, we knew he was going to be the primary second baseman. Some of council's comments yesterday also We're talking about how the range isn't very good and they're hoping to combat it with careful positioning. Like they weren't already positioning their fielders carefully. So I, I still have my doubts. He's going to start more than three quarters of the time there. And there's going to be a lot of late inning substitutions. I would suspect I'm just, I'm still, I'm still thinking the at bats aren't going to be there for him to live up to the extent of his potential and that probably the ADP is deserved. For Mustakas.
2: Okay, so everybody, tell me when you would consider drafting Mike Mustakas. Current ADP is 137th overall in a 12-team league. That's the end of round 12 or uh, the middle of round 12. Uh, Chris Heath Scott, when would you draft Mike Mustakas?
1: 10th, 11th. I wouldn't so draft him that
3: early. I'd I'd probably it'd probably be more in like the 150 range for me. Okay. What is what is Robinson Cano's ADP? Do you have that pulled up?
2: Of
1: course, that, I that feels like it's been breath. consistently low throughout. One twelve. Yeah, I'd rather
2: have one twelve. Okay, so twenty it's spots higher ahead. Way. Yeah, Heath, how about you? So Chris said round ten, eleven. Scott said in the one fifties. How about you?
0: Yeah, I've got him at one twenty three. So I think ten, eleven is perfect, and I, I think I, I'd, I'd put him right there with Cano.
2: Okay, and he's not second base eligible yet, right?
0: No, it's going to take yep. at least a week.
2: Uh, Marcelo Zuna started in left field for the first time in spring training. That's good news. Miguel Cabrera pulled off the hidden ball trick. That was also good news. The Reds used relief pitcher Michael Lorenzen in center field yesterday. D- you think that's just, hey, it's spring training. Go have fun. Or is there a chance that Lorenzen I mean, gets in the mix?
1: As like a double switch where you want to play matchup? Because he's is he a lefty? Nope. Okay, so maybe you have him in the game. You bring in a lefty to face a lefty, you come back, like that, we've seen this before. Okay. Not
2: that fantasy relevant then for Michael Lorenzen. Um, Kyle Seeger is going to miss at least April with the wrist, uh, finger surgery for Kyle Seeger. Ryan Healy is going to play third base in the meantime, and he's got some pop, not a lot of batting average, but 25 home runs in 2017, 24 home runs in 133 games in 2018. Meanwhile, Seattle sent, uh, pitcher Justice Sheffield to AAA. Scott, does that, you know, it's not that big of a surprise. Um, I know we talked no, about Sheffield yesterday. I don't get it. What don't you get, Chris? I don't
1: understand. Like, what's the point? Of? He's He pitched well last season in the minors. He doesn't really seem to have much left. It's not like this is a rotation overstocked with viable options. I don't understand what the Mariners are doing. I, I think Justin Sheffield should be in their opening day rotation. I don't get it. Well,
3: they might, if, if nothing else, there's the service time issue. They probably want to give Felix Hernandez one last chance to, uh, to see if he can, I, I know he's been working on a curve, throwing a curveball more and maybe he can salvage the end of his career that way. Uh, I'm also he, not he sure they're awful this spring. I don't he's, have much hope, but I can good. understand why the Mariners, you know, he's one of their best players ever, why they wouldn't want to pull the plug on him so quickly. Uh, uh, yeah, and I don't know. I don't know that it's fully certain Sheffield is capable of being a starter. I, d- I don't like. I but that doesn't I still matter. Kind of feel like he's going to go the Josh Hader route. What What do you mean it doesn't matter? What do you mean it, it doesn't, doesn't matter? Start? Right?
1: It doesn't matter right now. It doesn't matter right now for the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, like they they, yeah, they yeah, should find out whether he can start in the majors. Well, they're, they're not competing. Like the Brewers were making a run. That's why they threw Josh Hader in the bullpen because they needed the help. Now you can't root his confidence,
2: Chris them. Towers. You gotta let this guy
1: go if out there and learn. If you don't think you can be a, well, there's the be a, time element. I right, mean, you can wait.
3: You, if, you have nothing like you can wait until June and do that. I'm not saying they won't do it.
1: Right, but, but no uh, yeah, I don't to do it right now. I just don't think there's performance reasons for sending him down when Wade LeBlanc is going to be the fifth starter.
2: All right, well that's Justice Sheffield, and uh, I know he was drafted in our 30 man roster Roto League. Uh, I, I don't anticipate he'll be drafted in a lot of leagues, but there's there's something there. He was part of the uh, James Paxton trade. Finally, Angels outfielder Joe Adele is out 10 to 12 weeks minor leaguer with a uh, sprained ankle and a strained hamstring. Okay, here's what's coming up on the rest of the show. Breakouts, breakouts, breakouts. So Heath and Scott will give some more. And, of course, you can read their columns on CBSSports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. At the end of the show, we'll do the breakout-o-meter. I will give some trendy names, and you will tell me how likely they are to break out. And I will also give some non-trendy names. Like uh, Gregly Polanco, I think has a chance to break out this year, and uh, I'm going to throw in Jackie Bradley Jr. So Chris can talk about him. But uh, we've got some stuff I just want to tell you about. There, you know, you need to know about position battles. There's a great story on CBSSports.com with the big position battle for every single team. We're doing AL only and NL only mock drafts uh, for the website today and tomorrow. So on Thursday, we'll talk about those formats. You have to listen to the Ion. You have to, I'm demanding. Uh, you listen to the ion College basketball podcast, obviously, this is a great time to do it. I always make sure I listen to their uh their post selection show podcast before I fill out my bracket and the podcast league all right, everybody. you want to get into the podcast league? Here's how we do actually, confession. I don't know how we're gonna do it I'll, i all I know is when it is it's monday march twenty fifth at eight p m Eastern. If you cannot do the draft on Monday, March 25th at 8 p.m. Eastern, please do not submit an entry to the Podcast League. If you can draft with us, this is a 12-team points league. We'll select eight of you to join us. Monday, March 25th at 8 p.m. Eastern, you are going to send an email to fantasybaseball@cbsi.com, and you are going to put Podcast League in the subject line. And guys, what are we going to ask our listeners to do to get into the Podcast League? Chris, you're usually very good at things like this.
0: Especially when you put him on the spot. Yeah.
1: I know, I'm so sorry. Um, okay, so we've done, we've done like limericks in the past.
0: I think we didn't do, we did haikus, not haikus, limericks, because okay. they sometimes, uh, can't be read on the podcast.
1: I mean. Well, then make them,
2: could do make them something anything. you could read on the podcast. Is
1: that what we're yeah, doing? Yeah, I, I, I think we go with limericks. I think we go with song parodies. Um, Preferably in the style of Weird Alan Yankovich. Um, those are my two thoughts right now. I think song parodies in the style of Weird Al Yankovic would be my my first what, thought. What if we just say something creative? That's too you can't you gotta give a prompt. Something you know, like if you were I, in school and the teacher said, Hey, write something. You would be justifiably angry because you would have no idea what the expectations were, what a good well, one versus a bad one is. A song parody, you know. you know. trying to let these yeah, people think for not themselves. Everybody's,
3: not everybody's wheelhouse is a song parody. Right. Not it's everybody gets to go in the right.
1: podcast league. That's – I think we got it. you got to have rules. All right, so you got to have think, limits.
2: Scott, go ahead. What, 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 I feel like you
1: have a suggestion here. Oh, I don't have a suggestion. Oh, okay.
2: I just what I You're
3: thought. Just criticizing thought Chris. you sit in your
1: room. ivory tower, and you criticize, <laughs> and you don't have anything better.
0: You know, <laughs> this may, maybe like an ivory tower. I've been to working on this team name for Team Name Tuesday because it is Team Name Tuesday, and this seems like the only day of the week that Adam doesn't read team names. <laughs> no, I'm reading um, them.
2: They're in the show
1: notes.
0: Okay, what about No Justice, No JPs? Okay. JP I mean, Crawford? it could just
1: be the best team names.
0: Jeez. No justice, no JPs.
2: You are the it. worst at Team Name Tuesday. You are. So I think it's bad. pretty good. I
0: think it's going to be one of my team names this year. I mean, oh, of look, course it, it will be. I can't, can't be the worst one. I can't ever live up to. It can't be the worst. Yasmani Money, Tomas Pablo. All right,
2: so Team Name Tuesday, Chris. Just so it you know, today uh, Team Name Tuesday is going to be brought to you by you say Kikuchi. <sighs> okay, yeah, that's that was Love for it. Chris Towers. All right, listen, do something creative. A song, a poem, limerick, whatever it is, send it to fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Put podcast league in the subject line. Let's talk more about breakouts and let's do it right after this short break.
4: Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the new balance fuel cell 4040 v7 is a versatile option. The 4040 v7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at NewBalance.com. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. Also, Homes.com Collaboration Tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Okay, Heath Cummings, dazzle us with a breakout.
0: Yeah, I'll go with one more picture, and it's somebody that I think Chris and I kind of disagree on, so it'll make it even more fun. I'm going to go with Jack Flaherty, who has been – Awesome so far this spring was pretty good last year and there are some reasons to question whether he can keep that up with the control issues that he's had but i don't see looking at his track record a serious reason to think he's always going to have control problems and if he can miss bats like he did last year and just have average control on a very good cardinals team in a very good pitchers park he struck out 230 batters between triple a and the majors last year. I don't know that he can get quite there, but I do believe he could be a 190-inning, 220-strikeout guy with a low 3 ZRA and 15-plus wins.
2: Should Jack Flaherty be going ahead of Jamison Tyone, Jose Barrios? Uh, I would rather
0: have him ahead of those two pitchers. I do think they're in a similar range. But I prefer Flaherty because I think he has more upside. I don't know that you, I can reasonably see a way where Jamison Tyone is striking out 220 hitters. Right. Possibly Barrios. But I do think Flaherty has more upside. I, Tyone and Brios are both safer.
2: All right, Scott. Breakout?
3: I'm going to go with the pitcher as well. And I'm kind of sad I have to do this because I feel like the breakout already happened. And yet it's clear to me that nobody's quite buying into it the way I am. And that's Herman Marquez, who was a completely different pitcher for about the final. It, it was even like dividing it into halves doesn't even quite do it justice because it, it really started even before the All-Star break uh, where he took an ace turn. And when I say ace, I'm talking about tip-top high end of the, the pitcher ranks. He was up there with guys like Jacob deGrom, and Aaron Nola from that point forward in, in, in terms of fantasy scoring, he made an adjustment last year. Basically, he had been telegraphing his breaking balls his whole career, slowing down his arm so that it was apparent he was throwing a breaking ball, figured out how to m- move the arm through at the same speed that he does with his fastball, which is really good fastball. And, uh, everything just took off. His strikeout rate was. Uh, approaching 12 per nine during that that stretch his era was in the low to mid twos and he was pitching deep into games seven innings consistently for herman marquez i i i think he's I, I think he's awesome i think he's an ace i think the fact that you can get him in uh round eight of a lot of leagues, I think is a huge win for you because anytime you can find a pitcher who's demonstrated ace ability for any stretch of his career, it's it's a rare find beyond beyond like that, that early group of pitchers. You just there's just not a lot of pitchers who emerges that in season anymore. Um I think people look at the full season stats, see an ERA close to four and are like, Okay. There's, there's still the Colorado issue going on here, but it really wasn't. Once he figured it out, the home and away splits were both awesome. And it was, it was, it was not one of those situations where full season stats are more indicative than, than half season stats because there was a clear transformation that happened here midway.
2: And he's still a full season. I mean, he's 377 ERA, but 230 strikeouts in 196 innings. Those last 13 starts, 225 ERA and, Nine of his last 13 starts, seven or more innings for Armand Marquez. But, he you know, Scott has Marquez 17th. He has him three spots ahead of Jack Flaherty. Heath, you have Marquez 25th. You have him behind Barrios, Tayo, and Severino, Chris Archer. So is it the course Field thing for you?
0: It's mostly the course Field thing. It's also that his stretch of dominance wasn't very long compared to his complete track record. I just don't know that it's fair to expect him to be that dominant going into this year.
2: Okay. Um... Uh, I'll get Chris's uh, take on some of these breakouts in a second. Let's do one more round, and then I'll bring Chris in. Scott, give me one more breakout. Heath, give me one more breakout. And then Chris Towers gets to uh, do, him, do his thing.
3: So my breakouts list is littered with Colorado Rockies, which <laughs> probably means we're going to pick them to win the division this year. But David Dahl is another one of my favorite outfielders to draft. uh Not really any concerns about playing time anymore. The job is his. And if you just translate out last year's numbers, he had 16 home runs in what amounts to half a season at bats. So potential 30 homer guy right there. But then you consider four-course field, which has a way of giving the typical batter a 350 Babbitt because the outfields are so big because they have to push the wall so far back. Uh, it, it ends up being a place where balls drop in with much greater frequency than any other park. Like Dahl, for the environment, had bad Babbitt luck last year. So I think you can expect another 20 points on the batting average as well. And you add it all up, and you're looking at kind of like another Charlie Blackman there in their outfield. This is a guy with a great pedigree. We've been waiting a long time for him to break out. There have been injuries that have slowed him down. But I think now is finally the time for David Dahl to be everything we've long hoped he could be.
2: And I'll just say in Scott's breakouts column, there are three outfielders that are going, you know, in the same range. There's Puig, there's Dahl, and Conforto. And I'd love to have one, if not two, of them on, you know, all of my teams. Puig, Dahl, and Conforto. I personally I I put Puig last. But how would the three of you guys, Scott, I'll start with you. How would you rank Puig, Dahl, and, and Michael Conforto? I think I would go Puig
3: one because there's a greater speed element there than the other two, followed by Dahl and followed by Conforto.
1: Chris, how about you? I think that's an appropriate ranking. I think they're all very similar. Um, Puig probably has the highest floor uh, just because we've seen him be a power speed threat the last couple of years. Dahl, if he just plays, he should be pretty good. Ian Desmond was good last year, and he's not very good. I think David Dahl's a better hitter with the potential for you know, similar power and speed.
0: Yeah, I've got all three of these guys within eight spots in my overall top 300, so they're very, very close. I would actually go Dahl, then Puig, then Conforto. I do think Dahl has the most upside just because of course field. And again, he could steal just as many bases as Puig this year.
2: All right, Heath, give me a breakout. So Scott's given us uh, two Rockies, Ramon Marquez and David Dahl. You gave us Jack Flaherty. I think you should probably give us another Cardinal then.
0: Well, it didn't work out to get Chris riled up saying Jack Flaherty. so well, gonna, I didn't have the opportunity I'm, to respond. I'm going to do something else that he doesn't <laughs> like and say a player that hasn't even played yet. I'm going to say Eloy Jimenez is my breakout. And I, I really think after this injury to Vlad Guerrero, we should consider that Eloy Jimenez should be the first rookie taken in drafts. He was absolutely awesome. In fact, better than Vlad at A, better than Vlad at high A. I'm not saying he's necessarily going to be better than Vlad for his entire career. I think he might be better than Vlad this season. 355 batting average in AAA. An OPS over 900 in both high A and AAA. He's got more power than Vlad does. Maybe not quite the same average, but I still think he's got a chance to hit over 300. Very good park for him. Shouldn't be a bad lineup as long as he's in the middle of it, right behind Abreu. I expect huge things from Eloy as soon as the White Sox call him up.
1: Okay, Chris. The word breakout means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> We've just accepted that it's just player I like, and you uh, like Eloy yeah. Jimenez. I love. Yeah. You know what? I,
2: I think the difference between a sleeper and a breakout is not every. There are exceptions. No, we're gonna do this again. I think. <laughs> I think that we expect breakouts to finish among, you know, close to the elites. As, as let's say top 50 players. And we don't expect the same from sleepers. They're more like top 100 players.
0: I, I would, I would say that as far as players that I reasonably believe could have a second round or higher ADP next year, there is no player with a lower ADP right now than Eloy Jimenez.
2: It is really low. I, I don't get it. Uh, Eloy Jimenez, it's 124th. Just,
1: Vlad Guerrero sucked all the, the oxygen out of the room. And and it's weird because we had two great fantasy rookies last year. Yes, Vlad Guerrero's production was historic, but Eloy Jimenez's production has been really, really good, uh, especially the last couple years. He He cut his strikeout rate, and the raw power is huge. So I get why Vlad Guerrero has been ranked higher, but at this point we probably see Eloy. A little earlier. Um, I think Vlad's a better player, but the gap is wide.
2: So here's the only problem, Heath, with with Eloy Jimenez and saying that he's going too late. Uh, The outfielders that are going in front of him are basically Puig, Dahl, Conforto, and then some others. Aaron Hicks, uh, Victor Robles, like speed guys, Victor Robles, and uh, Malik Smith. Like, why in the world
0: would Victor Robles be going ahead of Eloy Jimenez?
1: Speed, steals. Stolen bases are scarce. Eloy's not going to steal any bases.
2: Would I mean, you take he's a really big prospect?
1: Well, too, you could right? draft, and he has draft a job Billy Hamilton. Day.
2: Would Would you take uh, Eloy over I... Puig, Conforto, and Dahl?
0: I would take Eloy over every name that you have said.
2: <laughs> would you take him over Trout? I think Trout or,
1: Trout or Eloy. I'll, this year, I'll take Trout. <laughs> we'll see next year. I do think Robles has more fantasy upside than Eloy Jimenez, just because. Ilo Jimenez, in the best case scenario, is a four category contributor. If he steals two bases, that'll be a pretty successful season for him. Um, Robles has the potential to be a power hitter. He's got the potential to be a true five category guy like Trey Turner. Like, I, I think that is a realistic upside for him. And that just, that edges out a guy who could be a really good hitter. I mean, I I like. We're, talk, we're talking about
0: Moore, guys, he's hit 10 home runs at the most at any point in his... Like, yeah, there's a possibility. It's not a played, reasonable he's upside. he's like
1: never played more than 85 games in a season.
0: played 114 in 2000. And how many did he hit? 10. That's I, I mean,
1: that was down to, to 15. That's not I'm a contributor when you hit 15 Let's home runs. Let's get Scott runs. in there.
2: Let's get Scott in there. Go ahead. I'm, I'm willing to bet Rays will have
3: will eventually Ro- emerge as a 20-homer guy. I mean, Robles. I'm sorry. Yeah, Robles well, will eventually emerge as a 20-homer guy. Uh, but... I, I have, like, if they were, if you give both of them the same timetable this year, I think Jimenez is closer to being an impact player in the majors. But then there's the element of, okay, we don't know exactly when he's coming up. Robles, opening day roster, in all likelihood. And yeah, the speed scarcity, which makes a difference in, in categories league. Uh, points leagues, I don't think there is much justification to take Robles ahead of. Jimenez
1: yeah and, and I would say like the best if we want to put like a best case scenario on both of them is it like Trey Turner versus Freddie Freeman like if Elo Jimenez is a consistent 300 hitter with 25 to 30 homers and I, I think that would be yeah I think Eloy may have more
0: raw homer potential than
1: Freeman sure but yeah what what's the I don't know what the comp is in that range because he's not going to be Paul Goldschmidt he's not going to steal bases like no But either way, like Trey Turner's been a little bit disappointing for fantasy. And he's still clearly more valuable than Freddie Freeman. Well, he's
2: valuable in theory, but but he actually really hasn't been, other than his rookie year, I'd say, more valuable than Freddie Freeman. I I guess you could debate it. Like last year, he certainly wasn't. But, you
3: know. Well, we're drafting him 15 to
1: 20 spots higher. I have him back to back. Yeah. Because just, we
3: keep hoping for more than he's. We hope for it. Right, right. The exactly. Yeah.
2: Uh, alright, let's get back to some more breakouts here. That is just such a great range of outfielders. Like, you have to, you have to live in that range. You have to get involved there. Because Michael Brantley is also in there. Uh, even Will Myers isn't so bad. But, uh, you know, again, Conforto, Puig, Dahl, uh, Brantley. Pollock. Who? Pollock. Pollock. Yes, yes. Aaron Hicks and points leagues. Oh my god, I love Aaron Hicks and points leagues. I think he's a legit breakout. Uh, particularly in that format. Scott, give me another breakout. We'll get two more from each of you, and then we'll read some emails, and then we'll do the breakout on Meter and Team Name Tuesday and all that good stuff. But let's uh, try to pick up a little bit here on the pace. Scott, go ahead with the breakout.
3: Two more? I came here with four. That's fine. I got a whole column full of them. <laughs> Jordan Hicks. I mentioned yesterday when we were talking about sleepers that Matt Barnes' emergence for the Red Sox has provided me with a late-round closer that I – Didn't think I'd be able to find just a month ago. Well, Jordan Hicks is the other one because I think he is in for a huge breakthrough as the Cardinals closer, not just with the role there, but also in terms of how effective he is. The numbers last year, kind of lackluster, but he did overtake a role this Chapman as the hardest thrower in baseball, averaging about 102, averaging 102 on his four seam fastball. And they're raving about the slider this spring. He has been striking out everybody in sight. He uh had a stretch there where he struck out, like, of his six recorded outs, seven were strikeouts. You know, there was a wild pitch, so he got an extra one in there. Uh He's he's really been lighting it up. And though they've said they'll play matchups in the late innings to some degree, Andrew Miller there being the left-hander, it, it sounds to me like a similar situation to... Uh, Cody Allen and Andrew Miller and Cleveland, where Allen was still basically the closer. I think that's how it'll go. I, I see, uh, I see, um, uh, Jordan Hicks getting 30 plus saves this year and potentially striking out 100 batters.
2: Heath Cummings, give me a breakout.
0: I'm gonna go way high end for this one and just to tell you about a guy who we thought was gonna be a first round pick and probably will be next year. I think it's Carlos Correa. All he has to do is stay healthy and do what he was doing in 2017, you kind of what he was doing at the beginning of the year before he got hurt last year. And I still think that he has the potential to be in points leagues the number one shortstop overall. He's falling to the fourth, maybe even fifth round in some drafts. He seems like he's healthy right now. He's in a great lineup, could give you 220 runs plus RBI, and give you some power and maybe even a little bit of speed as well.
2: Carlos Correa in uh 2017 he played only 109 games but his 155 game pace was 315 with 34 home runs, 119 RBIs, 117 runs and 3 mm-hmm. steals. He would have been the number 1 shortstop in points leagues um in that year if he had He'd played. He would close to
0: the number 1 player with those numbers.
2: 583 583 fantasy points. Yeah, he probably would have been a top 5 player uh hitter anyway. So Correa, yes, please just stay healthy. What's better value? Do you think Carlos Correa in the fourth round or let's, let me look up Corey Seeger. Corey Seeger in like the sixth or seventh round, seventh round, I believe. Uh, yeah, the I beginning would, of the I would
1: still rather have Correa. I think it, it, Correa definitely has, I don't think Corey Seeger is going to be a first round pick, uh, next year. Corey, Carlos Correa could be, um, but I do think Seeger has fallen a bit too far, given that they both have injury concerns. I think Correa is better, um, but he may not run that much anymore. And so, if the ceiling is 8 to 10 stolen bases, that makes it a little closer because I think Corey Seeger could be a, a true 300 hitter moving forward.
2: All right, Heath, one more breakout, please.
0: Yeah, I'll go with one more high-end guy. Let's, I and mean, I'm going to put him in my column just because somebody needs to. How about Trey Turner just actually lives up to what we've been expecting from him for the last couple of years? They've talked about him running 75 to 80 times within the season. This could be a 60 steal season for a guy that I still believe has the pen- potential to hit close to 300 and score a ton of runs at the top of the light lineup.
2: Oh, I'm so tempted to take him fourth overall <laughs> in my roto league. I think I'm going to go with Arenado, but I'm so tempted to take Trey Turner. Uh, but, boy, what a bad taste he left in people's mouths last year. Scott, your final breakout.
3: When he led the majors in steals. Yeah, but he
2: was a bust. Ironically, but uh, He yeah. was a minor bust. I'll throw
3: another Rockies at you. Oh. A Rocky at what? you. What? And another Rockies pitcher at that. And what I was saying about Herman Marquez about finding that combination of potentially elite ratios – while also giving you a huge workload, uh, is, is so rare beyond the elite class. Well, John Gray, I think, fits that description as well. Had some weird stuff going on with his uh, arsenal. Apparently lost conviction with his fastball, and it impacted his slider, which was his best pitch, and he spent some time in the minors, and he had issues with runners on base, and just a lot of little things added up to an ERA over five, but that was with a 408 FIP. His strikeout rate was still one of the best, among qualifying pitchers, swingy strike, great, still one of the best. The stuff is still great. He has looked a lot better this spring. The slider looks like it's back to its old form. And even as bad as he was last year with that ERA over five, uh, you know, he ended up making he ended up making thirty one starts. More than half of them he went six plus innings, and that was with all the early hooks in those starts where he just got throttled. So definitely somebody who Shows the ability to take on a big workload. I, I like to hit all as many pitchers as I can from with with that skill set throughout the course of the draft because I think those are the ones with the best chance of having uh, emerging as ace like
1: pitchers. I think Gray's a really good example of what can go wrong with her Armand Marquez as well. Um, you can't ignore the course effect. It doesn't matter how talented the pitchers are. And John Gray is extremely talented. I think in a different context, he could be a top 15 pitcher. But the best he's ever done with his ERA compared to his FIP was his ERA being half run higher than his FIP. Most Mostly, it's been a full run higher. And so the skill set is great, but there is just no margin for error when you pitch a course field. If you're off just a little bit, you're going to be hammered. And that's the thing that you can't, You can't just ignore with these pitchers. Is Yes, the Rockies have talented pitchers, but there is a really slim margin for error. The same reason we like David Dahl and the same reason we like Garrett Hampson and all these young guys in Colorado is the same reason why there's a lot of risk with the Rockies
0: pitchers. I do still like Gray where he's being taken because I think he's good enough that you could almost draft him at that spot and just start him on the road and make a profit.
3: You're you're not wrong about Coors Field, and that's that's something I've argued for years. Anytime somebody expressed enthusiasm about a Rockies pitcher, but John Gray, you know, the home away splits have been consistently even. He's he's actually, you know, most of the time he's actually been a little better at home. So I don't think that was his issue last year. And I I think it's a different talent level for Gray and Marquez than uh, we've seen for any Rockies pitchers, except for maybe Ubaldo Jimenez. But even then. Uh, you know, I, I, I still think these guys are better than him, even.
1: I mean, Ubaldo almost won a Cy Young, right?
3: I know. It was I really know. good. I think these guys could, too.
2: Okay, so, just give me a one-word answer. John Gray or Nick Pavetta? Pavetta. John Gray. Pavetta. I J- like both. John Gray or Yusei Kikuchi?
1: Kuk- Kikuchi. Gray. Kikuchi.
2: Gray. Uh, John Gray or Colin McHugh? Gray. Gray.
1: The Q and points.
2: Okay, the Q and points. All right. So recap then. Scott gave you Jesse Winker, Armand Marquez, David Dahl, Jordan Hicks, and John Gray. Heath gave you Shane Bieber, Jack Flaherty, Eloy Jimenez, Carlos Correa, and Trey Turner. We got emails to read. We got the breakout meter. Fantasy baseball at cbsi dot com is the email address. It is team name Tuesday. Let's see how we like them. Ready? Here we go. Eloy Jetson.
1: No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's no. Good.
2: He does like anything uh, it's a stretch I, I've never actually owned these two players at the same time but if I ever do Noel Aaron Aaron Nolado
3: no <laughs> if it's hard to say just kick it terrible
0: to the door. terrible like you've got all day long to pick out emails I, we get thousands of them you
1: couldn't pick out better team names than this This is what we got no, I like it okay. I like it there's a there's a basketball one that I've had which was Lamarcus Soldridge.
2: That's not bad. Alright, this no, I, one is- I'm
1: on, I'm on board with that one.
2: This one is supposed to be accompanied by an image of John Candy. Polka, Polka, Polka! That's a Home Alone? Polka, Polka, Polka? No? Uh. Uh. Yeah, it's a deep cut. Mar-, Mar- Marky Marquez- Terrible player and a worse name. <laughs> Marky Marquez and the Muncie Bunch. Yeah. Uh, this one we get a lot. Max I don't Muncie. Like team names. That funky Buncee. Yep, it's very uh, good, but it's we have gotten that
3: a
1: we lot. We've
2: got that. Uh, apparently, Heath and Chris will know this one. What it means? Chill, fam. Chill. Fam. Yeah, I
1: mean that's just it's it's a thing that the kids say, and we are the resident kids on the podcast. So I'm the oldest guy here, but I guess I'm
2: still well, yeah, you've
1: technically got, younger.
0: You've got kids who who right.
1: Right. who right. own you,
0: and I'm actually <laughs> young, younger than Scott and Adam.
2: No, you're not. In most ways, and in your that soul. is true. Uh, stripling souls, Adam. Stripling is no way to make a living. Stripling. I like that one. Okay, it's not really a team name; it's a sentence. And you say goodbye, and I say gallow. That's good. Very good. Okay. Solid.
1: Excellent. Gallo. I have trouble. Not, not I don't really usually
3: a... like mixing the two player names, but that
2: one—that one works pretty
3: well. It's not
1: really a team name; more like a sentence.
2: More like a song. Uh, it's it's concise enough. Uh, I have trouble singing on video, by the way. It's it's scary for me. Okay, time for emails. Someone named Morgan sent us four emails in a row that were all good. So I'm going to read them, and we're going to give quick answers on all four of these emails. Here we go. Freddie Peralta. Any love for this guy? He was pretty interesting last year.
1: Not so is a rotation spot, right?
3: Yeah. So is Brandon Woodruff. So is Corbin Burns. All very interesting. I would love to see them all in and somebody like Zach Davies out. But that doesn't seem to be the plan at the start.
2: Okay, don't draft Freddy Peralta?
3: Uh, I mean, in a, it, it'd have to be a deep league in, where you're stashing a lot of future assets who you aren't expecting to, to contribute right away.
2: He, Freddy Peralta is the Derek Zoolander of, of pitchers. He throws one p- He has one pitch! He throws a fastball like 75% of the time. Uh, should Brian Anderson be rostered in 15-team mixed leagues?
1: 15-team, probably. Yep.
2: Okay. Is Yonder Alonso underrated? I can see 100 RBIs in a best-case scenario. No way.
1: In a best-case scenario, yeah, <laughs> but he's he's bad enough against lefties that it, it's pretty... St- Slim chances.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean, he's probably, I don't know how he, I've never seen him drafted, so I don't know where he's being drafted, and that tells me he's probably being underrated a little <laughs> bit, but he was pretty bad last year.
2: Yonder Alonso, 326th overall. He's been bad basically every year but one, but he's never been in a hitter's park, except for a little bit of time in Cincinnati, and now Alonso on the White now, Sox. Cleveland's a hitter's park. Yeah. Is it? Not like Chicago, but yeah. Well, this is, okay, fine, yeah. this is the best park that he's been in. Uh, not including Cincinnati. Uh, okay. And uh, is that it? Oh, Jay Bruce. I haven't heard his name on the podcast yet. There has to be another 30 homer season. Uh, in his bat at some point, Jay Bruce.
1: Jay Bruce is finally starting to get to the age where I felt he's been for the last five years. <laughs> he's still not there. He still isn't 32 yet, which blows my mind. I oh, cannot believe yeah. that. Um, he's a youngin. Are you? I would, are you and Jay Bruce the same age? Uh, he he's a year older than me. I would he's have bet Jay Bruce flooding. was thirty-two in like two thousand nine. <laughs> exactly. Um. But
3: what people forget about Jay Bruce because he was consistently, uh, I, I think, an underrated source of like thirty homers, ninety-plus RBI. Uh, he was his season was wrecked last year by plantar fasciitis. So I don't. I'm not just willing. I, I'm not assuming it was decline, age-related decline, especially since he's yeah still not that old. Uh, I, I think there's, I think there's deep sleeper appeal here. It did uh, not sound like
0: before the Kyle Seeger injury. It did not sound like Jay Bruce was guaranteed every day at bats. I'm still not sure he's going to play against lefties.
2: Okay, well that would be a problem. But yeah, maybe there's still something left in that bat for Jay Bruce, who feels like he's older than Heath. But, you know, nobody's older than he um, This is an email from... He's not older than any of them. Oh, Chris. <laughs> yeah, he's older, he's than, older than me. Jonathan Harris in New Orleans. I have the opportunity to pick my draft spot. My options are three through ten. What should I do?
1: Three. Don't overthink it. Three. When
3: I had the opportunity to pick, I chose three.
2: We get this question a lot. But it depends if you like Jose Ramirez. If you don't like Jose Ramirez, then don't. I think I don't Jose, like Jose Ramirez, Ramirez in a points league is so super safe That you should go, you should take three in a points league in a roto league.
1: I think he's safe in either form. Well, he's
2: yes, he is, but I don't. I yeah, I think I'm fine with it, but in a points league for sure. Because yeah, no,
3: right. There are some people who don't like Jose Ramirez. He was pretty bad the last six weeks of last season, and they worry about that. I'm not one of them, but you know, I don't want to. I don't want to tell him to pick third, and then he does something like take you know Nolan Arenado or whatever.
2: Uh, Okay, this is from Brian. Christian Jelic looks like he had a great second half, but prior to that, his points per week were not all that hot. Everyone expects Jelic's numbers to regress. Aaron Judge, meanwhile, as it's pointed out, was having a continuation for the most part of his 2017 season before his injury. To me, Jelic over Judge in nearly all rankings is recency bias, and Judge is the better play. Do you agree?
0: Oh. I do. I yeah, I probably should.
1: I, I do, keep I do calling him a regression candidate
0: and then not moving him down far <laughs> enough in my rankings.
2: But
1: like he, he he was on pace for a really good season before that second half. It was something like 20 homers, 20 steals, 292 average.
2: Yeah, shoot But me. if he had yeah.
1: done that for the whole season, we wouldn't be ranking him as a first-round player. It's right. all about those last 70 or so games where we're moving him up from a second- or third-round guy uh, into the elite tier of hitters. And I just, I think that's an overreaction. It's, it's 70 games. Yes, it was a better park. Yes, we were expecting him to improve. It's still 70 games that we're basing this whole thing on.
3: Yeah, I'm still ranking Jelic ahead. You know, my philosophy in the early rounds just don't mess it up. And even though I'm much more confident in Judge than I was a year ago, I, I still think it, he has a very, very, small margin for error with that strikeout rate and if either of these is just going to go belly up it's it's going to be judge
2: yeah I, I like judge better in an obp league um because yeah, i mean yelich will have a great obp but so will judge whereas yelich has an obvious advantage over him in batting average where it's probably going to be pretty similar i might give the edge to judge in obp but it'd be pretty yeah. similar
3: yeah, standard five-by-five, five. I mean, you got Yelich contributing in all five categories and Judge potentially hurting you, well, definitely, well,
2: potentially hurting you in two.
1: He hasn't hurt you in batting average yet. Yeah, not but he's
2: not going to stand out like a lot of the guys going in that range. What, uh, 270 hitter?
1: Roughly. And I do think, like, Yelich,
0: not all home run totals are a help in home runs. I do think Yelich is probably more of just an average slot in home runs. I don't expect him to be a positive contributor.
3: So What's your over/under for Yelich home runs? Twenty-nine and a half.
0: Oh no! I'd
1: hit the under on that. For
0: no, better. no, twenty-five is that the mo-
1: probably twenty-four? I think twenty-four point five is a good place to set it, and I think most people w- would take the over.
2: I would definitely take the over. I'm setting it at twenty-nine and a half. <laughs> yeah,
4: I,
1: too high.
2: All right, we got to get to the breakout-o-meter, so I just want to read one more email. It's from Blake in Santa Barbara. Uh You devoted a whole segment to Tyler Skaggs last week and did not play the drop of my three-year-old singing it like you. Uh, am I experiencing my first illusions as a parent thinking something my kid does is way cooler than it actually is? Anyway, I've attached the file again. Amiko won't be offended if you write back and say it's lame. She can't read yet. Well, it's not lame, Blake. Here is Blake's daughter Uh, with an I'm-gonna-Tyler Skaggs. Enjoy.
4: I'm-gonna-Tyler Skaggs. <laughs>
1: I love that it. That is phenomenal. Much better that than That has much, to be the drop for sure every better, time. Yes.
4: I'm gonna tie your
1: Much better than mine. All right.
2: Breakout Obeeter. We'll finish the show. I'm gonna give a couple of, uh, high-end first baseman slash outfielders. Hoskins will get that, uh, first base eligibility quickly. Cody Bellinger, Reese Hoskins. The, the odds that they break into the first round, uh, in 2020. What do you think for them?
1: Higher for Bellinger. Um, but not particularly high.
0: I don't, are we supposed to be giving a number or a percentage? Or, uh, uh.
2: I mean, you should give a number, but I think I have to phrase some of the questions differently.
0: On a
1: scale of what?
2: <sighs> don't worry 11. about, don't worry about the meter for, for Bellinger and Hoskins. What do you think their first round potential is?
1: I think it's really hard for Reese Hoskins to get there. I love his profile, but I think he's probably never going to be a huge help in batting average, and he's not going to steal bases. And once you get to that point, like better Jose Abreu maybe is the upside. And I don't think that's a first round
2: player.
0: I think I'd put Bellinger at a three and Hoskins at a, like a
2: 1.75. Okay. Uh, Two pitchers, Jamison Tyone, Luis Castillo, do you, do you like their chances to really break out and become, I don't think they're gonna be like, you know, first, second, third round picks, but get into the, uh, fourth, fifth round, that kind of right after the ace. I know, I know it's not that big of a jump, but uh, no, you know what? Forget it. Tyone and Castillo. Do they have ace potential?
1: <laughs> I like uh, Tyone's yes. chances better.
3: I, I think actually. Tyone. Would be more of a Granky like ace when uh, Luis Castillo could be a Severino-type ace, but obviously Tyone's safer, kind of, kind of a similar situation to Bellinger and Hoskins.
0: Yeah, I don't, I, I, I think we saw the Jameson Tyone breakout. I don't know what I see beyond what he did last year, unless he has a really good year in terms of wins or something. So, I'm going to say a, a one on Tyone. Castillo is a lot cheaper and it would be a lot bigger of a jump for him. Um, but I'll give him a two.
1: The breakout jump for Tyone would be he figures it out on April or March 29th rather than May 30th.
2: Well, it was pointed out rush. to me on Twitter that Tyone, someone said, look at his numbers after he added a slider. And that was 22 yeah, that was May 30th, starts. Okay, yeah, 22 starts, 271 that- ERA. And 131 strikeouts and 139 and two thirds. 12 and six. Was
3: that someone at CT? No.
1: <laughs> C, what is your name? C Towers first? CBS. C Towers. <laughs> what are you gonna change
2: your, you've been on Yankee Hotel Foxtrot Nixon for too long. Like, let's it's get It's only a been one. a few
1: months. I kept, I kept, uh, boys and girlies in America for nearly the entire football well, season. Well, that's either.
3: laziness. I don't know I, what to I say. when it. he changes his name. Because <laughs> I'm like, who is this guy populating my Twitter timeline? Where did he come from? Oh, it's Chris. Yeah, yep. just
1: assume if it's something you've never heard of. It's probably me making an <laughs> yeah. indie band name reference.
2: Alright, breakout potential for Ozzy Albies. Getting to uh, that next level. Becoming a true stud. Ozzy Albies. Uh...
3: Yeah, I'm not betting on it this year, but it's I think he has second round upside. Um he has to not sell out for power like he did last year and he has to run more.
1: But he I, could. Yeah. I think it comes from not hitting for as much power, but hitting for a better average, improving his plate discipline and stealing twenty five to thirty bases. All right, now we really have to finish the show. Um we're up against uh Off the bench
2: is going to be recording a podcast soon in the studio, and make sure you listen to the Off the Bench podcast with Canell and Bell. It is awesome, great show. So I'm going to give a name. You guys tell me zero to ten. How likely are they to truly break out this year? Mitch Haniger.
1: Two.
2: Four.
3: Zero. (laughs) Zero. Come on.
2: He already broke out. What is he? What more is he supposed to do? That's kind of how I feel. Eddie Rosario. Eddie Rosario.
3: Zero. Zero. Yeah. Uh, I'll give him a one.
2: Matt Chapman, 962 OPS after the All-Star break. Matt Chapman.
1: Yeah, if it wasn't for I, the injuries, I'd say five. I'll go four. I, I Yeah, really I, he's already playing, right? Yeah, but he's still coming. But it, it's possible because it was a thumb and a shoulder, right? I'm going to say six. Wow. Uh, Max Muncy. Seven.
2: Max Muncy. This is I an like, interesting
0: list of guys that broke out last year.
2: Well no, I mean, <laughs> it's guys who in, will take the they? next fantasy, That's a
3: thing. In, in terms of fantasy uh utility, I mean, the, he has to play more than he did in the second Zero half. 0 to last 10, year when Max against virtually every lefty. 0 to Four. 10, Max So I'm going to give him 7. I'm going to give him a 7.
2: Rafael Devers.
1: 5. It's like 6 but with a wide error bar. I, I find myself yeah. drafting him a lot because I think you want to be there when, it, when he figures it out. It's a lot like Nomar Mazzara.
2: Devers, okay. I'll go five.
1: Gregory Polanco. Two. Eight in the second half. I just think go he could get off do. to a really slow start.
2: Okay, two, eight, and five. That makes sense. Jackie Bradley Jr.
1: Six. Three.
2: Randall Gritchick.
1: Three. Four. Uh, I'll go five. <laughs> Tyler Glass now. Seven. Nine.
2: Eight. There you go. Beautiful. What a way to end it. Tyler Glass now. He actually is in Scott's Breakouts column, uh, right? Yes. Yes, yes. yes he yes. is. Thank you, Scott White, Heath Cummings, Chris Towers. Tomorrow we'll talk about busts Thursday, AL only, NL only. I'm trying to line up a draft for Friday's show, so stay tuned. Remember to email us. Put Podcast League in the subject line. Baseball at CBSi.com. We're out. We'll talk to you tomorrow.